Yo. Yo, that's much better. Can you hear me? I can hear you, dude. Hey, Connor, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I, just, oh, I, I can hear Shut up, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I'm going to go ahead and close <laughs> all my internets, lest the paltry... Have you not my... gotten faster internet yet, man? I know. Dang. It's pretty, pretty bush league. I am buying a new backpack, though. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that like notification email that we've shipped it because it'll be two days then. And I, what type of backpack? It's called an Air. I'm reluctant to to d- describe it because then people will look it up and see how much it cost me. But it's called an Air Duffel Pack Two. Air is spelled oh. A E R. Huh. But it's uh, kind of a tech, tech, kind of sleek but very functional backpack that I thought it's time for me to upgrade my game um, regarding me carrying stuff around because I've been using the same sort of jerry rig setup for a long time. Whether I'm traveling via plane, airplane, if you will, or just like going for a day off and need an overnight. I don't have anything decently sized that could could fit enough for an overnight if I also wanted mm. to say work out or say mass or you know do anything like that. Um, How many liters is this backpack? This backpack, I'm glad you asked that. It's 24.6 liters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I nice. did. Backpacks are measured in liters? Yeah. Typically How, like a ba- like a mountaineering backpacking backpack you would Definitely want how many liters would that be? Where can you see that? Um, I mean, I think it depends on like how you pack, how long, but like I think I had like the only legit backpacking trip that I went on, I think was like a 55 liter, and that was you know one of the big ones, yeah. That's about that sounds right. That was my first purchase as a priest of something that I would never have bought while I was in the seminary, not making any money. Was a a nice REI backpack, it was like. Yeah. The last year's model of the REI brand backpack, and uh, so it was greatly reduced in price. But I was like, you know what? I want this backpack, and I can buy it, so I'm buying it. And it was my first <laughs> sort of doing that. Now that I have a salary, nice, nice. That's cool. Oh, how many liters is yours? My uh, <laughs> the little like day backpack that I'm getting for work. Uh huh. Um, twenty four point six. <laughs> What's is yours? it a backpack for children? <laughs> <laughs> How many liters is your backpack? It has a SpongeBob. Yeah. Well, I was going to say anything, but it's thirty-eight whole liters. Thirty-eight. Oh. That thing's thirty-eight liters. The thirty-eight liters. Does I it still go above your why head? it's why the the measurement is liters. Well, that way, if you needed water, you could just pour <laughs> that much water yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, it. Because basically, yeah. I'm calculating how many two liters. Can I <laughs> How many things of soda can I tote into the woods? <laughs> so what what metric would you rather have them use or would you think is appropriate? Gallons? That's a good question. I mean, I guess it would be like 
well that would be more like load bearing capacity but like pounds it could hold and i don't know but that doesn't get to the size of it that's more the strength of it yeah so i don't know i guess leaders is right i just never thought about it oh well that's pretty typical of you just not thinking about stuff huh (laughs) <laughs> kind of going through life just on autopilot, <laughs> making all of us think about everything. Meanwhile, well, everything's fine for Mike. Everything's uh, good somebody for will Mike. take care of it. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> no, for Barb. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's my mo. Probably for the most part. Honestly, not far from it in the academic world, though. Right. Somebody hey, you else can, will take you care can get of it. a far away. There's actually a lot of wisdom in it, if I can just give myself that credit. <laughs> wisdom in okay, so what's your MO exactly? How would you put it? My MO is I'm gonna do my thing, and there are people who know more things than I do. Right. And I can't learn all those things. Mm-hmm. So I have I have interests that lead me in a certain direction. I'm also interested in what those people think about specific subjects. Okay. Like, like you don't need to be an expert. To trust an expert. Yeah, or like I really don't even need a solid grasp on like what's coming up in a month in terms of seminary function because I know particular guys who have a very like quick grasp of those things that I can just see them in the hallway maybe a week before and ask a question about certain events and they know it. Boom. Okay, so this is something that I'm sympathetic to like, for instance, our school children when teachers get frustrated or school parents will tell me that their kids are frustrating them about their lack of attention to detail um, with their schoolwork. And (laughs) because I remember, so this is how old I was. I remember feeling this way where in grade school, like a teacher would, we'd all be sitting on a carpet or something or at our desks and the teacher would walk through like a three step thing she wanted us to do. Like, I don't even remember any of them. That's kind of the point of the story. But for instance, let's say she said, I want you to, you know, cut out this thing of paper and then write on it, you know, what you want to be when you grow up and then pass it to your neighbor and read what they wrote or something like some three step, very simple thing. And by step two, I'm already like, what, what are we doing? I completely lost my train of thought. I could not track. I didn't have the attention to track directions given by a teacher, you know, like I could, <laughs> I could do a math problem. I was, I was smart, but like attending to what I'm going to, and that continues to this day where people will ask me, somebody came up to me after mass and they're like, Oh, you ready for Saturday? And I go, what's Saturday? And it turns out it was this event that we've been preparing for, for basically six months, a benefit for our school that like, you know, I was instrumental in planning and I just had no, that was not in the front of my mind. Like it was in my calendar to remind me I wasn't going to miss it. Right. But then the person was like, are you joking or like, ah, yeah, totally. Um, I remember <laughs> what it was. It. I'll see you at it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking, holy crap. <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm more thinking like, okay, that's your, that's your way of thinking. But I don't, I, gu- I guess I gave up trying to live that way of holding my whole calendar in my head all the time or holding yeah. all the steps of what I need to get done in my head. I just write it down and forget about it because then it'll come up when I need it. I wonder how much of that is like nature versus nurture though, like what you're brought up around and and like kind of why you gravitate towards certain stuff versus just like maybe a inherent personality. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really, I really don't know. It's kind of a 
Cause I was, I've been thinking like this is not too far off the topic, but just so much of our life. Eh, I think eh, eh, you said the bad word, dude. Oh yeah, he said tropic. That's <laughs> I didn't say topic. You just said it again. Anyways, I, re, no, 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 replay it. I did not say that. <laughs> I guess this isn't too far off the topic, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good, dude. Wow. Okay, I'm actually I was pissed. But I'm so impressed by that. <laughs> that was yeah, really good. Thanks, bro. The best one of those, the live rewind, was uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective when he yeah he goes, let's do that <laughs> again in super board. slow-mo. <laughs> <laughs> that explains the impression on his palm. <laughs> Isn't that it, right? Yeah. Well, it's when he's in the psych ward and he goes, let's see that in reverse. Where are and you he's right like, now? I'm he's in, in a choo-choo. Oh, <laughs> Sit, yeah, mind. he's pretending okay. to be a football player that with a screw loose. Oh, I'm in Crazy gosh. Town, and Finkel's the mayor. <laughs> anyway, that's a great movie. If anybody's listening who's never seen Met- it, yeah. stop listening to this and go watch that. Little, little hot Run. rhinos. That's <laughs> <laughs> Safe Ventura too. <laughs> gotcha. No, I'm thinking of Ace Ventura too. He does that again. I'm pretty sure in Ace Ventura too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hot in these rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> hot in these rhinos. <laughs> okay this is getting a little inside so rob what you were what were you gonna say about not attending to things nature uh, versus nurture? Oh, um just uh how much of our life as I, I mean human beings but like as i think men especially like just how much of our life is taught to us like it just matters so much who your mentors are to show you things mm. um i don't know not, not really past that like i've started i mean we're talking like twice now but i wanted to start lifting weights again which i haven't done since like high school oh yeah Yeah. so who who do you ask bremer yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. but so he's taking me i've been down there with him like over the past week or so and uh it's it's like incredible the the way he has like expedited me getting back into this of like proper form and it feeling right and things like that to where if he wasn't there like I could YouTube and I could read about it I could kind of like ask around but it would probably taken me like three months to do what he did in two days yeah. of just like watching a few squats and things like that yeah. um, so but there is the nurture or there is the nature aspect to it too because I've I've seen guys for instance try to learn how to lift weights or do what Bremer does, these power lift kind of things, or he does crazy Olympic lifts and over your he's head. He's insane. He's crazy. <laughs> but I, I remember certain friends trying to learn how to do deadlifts, like in college, from power mm-hmm. lifters. And certain peop- certain body types, certain people can't do it, you know. But um, you're right that a lot of, you know, what I do in the gym to this day is stuff that I learned from guys that when I started lifting was in college, was guys um that i lifted with and this actually gets back to a co- the conversation we had last time remember i was talking about the car wash and it probably didn't make much sense to you guys like me not never having gone to the car wash oh yeah yeah man that's been a while ago it's yeah, been a while man, since it's been a while in the dentist yeah you i went to the, go den- to the dentist dude. i went to the dentist on thursday dude i got oh. a better i got a better review this past time than i did uh, three years ago, which was the last time I was at the dentist. They're like, wow, you have less tartar. Booyah. Get in your face, mom. That's why I don't need to go to the dentist. 
Ergo. <laughs> Six years later. Yeah. But anyways, uh, no, I did I did go to the car wash, by the way, which I'll get to that in a second. But um, I think for a lot of people, they don't go to the gym because they don't go to the gym. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of Just things. They, li- because a, they've never done it before? Exactly. There's a lot of things in life that are like this where I don't do that because I don't do that. Right. Creatures of habit. Say a little bit more. So I've never gone to the gym and so I don't know how to I don't know how to go to the okay. gym. You I, know, I don't know. I, I would I feel out of place. I feel like everybody's looking at me. And those who are initiated who go to the gym, who have been going to the gym, who at an appropriate time in life learned how to go to the gym and so they feel comfortable in most gyms, they don't understand the person that's like terrified of it or paralyzed so much that they are willing to not exercise rather than overcome that fear or whatever you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. i think there's yeah. so there's a lot of stuff in life like that but interestingly for me it was the car wash i was actually i told my sister this story and she went she was one of those like you've never gone to the car wash what what, what are you so worried about the car wash i said i don't know it's just one of those things that i should have done a long time ago and i never did and now i don't know how to do it and i'm sure it'll be easy but whatever and she's like you know what i've never pumped gas <laughs> and i was like like she's never actually because she's never had a car so she wouldn't have had any occasion to except in my dad's car which i'm sure she just always returned low on gas and hoped that he would fill it up and whatever so <laughs> she sympathized with me but like, i went yeah you know what i've never paid my taxes <laughs> <laughs> whoa whoa, sh- whoa sh- what? <laughs> don't don't talk about that <laughs> hide run go <laughs> be afraid <laughs> i don't know how to do it so what's the big deal? Anyways, so it's just not something I do. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a guy who pays taxes per se. Okay, like you have some people who do that, and I don't. Yeah. Yeah, the government's after me. For me, it was like dry cleaning was like that too. I was like, what are you? Dry cleaning, dude. I cannot get my alb, and I have a jacket that needs buttons. I cannot get to the dry cleaners. Right. They've been sitting in my truck all semester. Right. Whoa. Yeah. I'm not afraid of it. I just somehow, like, that's a thing now that I need to do. It just doesn't ever get done. I just haven't gotten to it on this list. Right. Mm. I'm not a guy who goes to the dry cleaners. <laughs> but I think that I'm, I'm starting buttons. to just tick these things off of my list. Like, I'm. What's the point of not doing these things? They just sit here. They don't take very long to do. So, anyways, I drove up. There's a car wash like a block away from where I'm at, <clears throat> and uh, it just so happened that I'm listening to like classical music on Spotify more. Oh, I'm not doing it so, intentionally. Go ahead, dude. So good in a car wash. Is that what you're gonna say? Yes, dude. And I didn't intend for this at all. I. Yes. It was like the first nice day. It was a couple of weeks ago. It was the first nice day after a lot of snow and ice and cold. And, um, I thought I'm just doing it. I've got like an hour right now in the afternoon. I'm gonna go to the car wash, get this done. And so I drive up, and there's a line of cars, and it's one of those things like, I'll just watch what the other people do, you know. And they're all just driving up. They're not getting out of their cars. They're just, you know, to this guy who's standing there, kind of a young, maybe 21-year-old kid. And then there's an old guy who's got like a soapy broom who's just like, as the cars go into the little um, bay, the, the wash bay, he's just washing like the back bumper and license plate with this little soapy broom. Oh, wow. You were, you're at a fancy car wash, dude. Well, I don't know. I just assume that probably their their car wash didn't get the back of the car very good. So that was their solution was just have one guy's job be rub the back. Um, 
so I'm slowly kind of inching my way up, um, and I'm kind of, you know, as you hang do. on, really, really quick. What I'm picturing right now is like you not knowing how it's going, so you you think he's like doing something wrong to your like. <laughs> To your car, so it's <laughs> it's similar to like a Happy Gilmore, the first kid that comes out to take his bag to caddy for him. And right. him. <laughs> <laughs> like he's stealing his clothes. Hey, hey kid, hey. get away from my car! No, it wasn't like that. Hey, what's that guy doing in my back of my car, dude? Anyways, <laughs> no, I I didn't do any of that. I was I was more. This is my personality, more on the on the watch for like what, make sure I'm not doing something that makes me look stupid or proves that I've never been here before. Uh. So I get, it's, it's my turn in line, roll down the window, and I've been looking at like the options of what uh, you can possibly buy from this place, you know, the different kinds of washes. Um, it said, make sure your antenna's down because we're not going to pay for it. And I was like, does my car have an antenna? I don't think so. I never listened to the radio. So I'm wor- worrying about all that stuff. I rolled down my window the, and the guy just looks at me with a wad of cash in his hand and I go car wash please <laughs> and he's like all right just regular then five five bucks give him five bucks and uh he's like all right just pull ahead and make sure your tires in that thing and put it in neutral and I did that and there was another kid and and he's like just regular wash all right we'll put it in neutral and you're, and you're good and I just rolled up the window and there's this classical music playing and it's like these dramatic violins and um you know, timpani and all. And I flash back as the first like little gloopy mop thing, you know, uh, goes onto my windshield and you can't see anymore. I flash back to when I was a, probably three years old and I realized I was terrified of the car wash when I was a little kid. And I used to cry when we would go through it. And one way that my older brothers used to taunt me was with a banana peel where you're eating a banana and the like peels are around your hand. Do you remember, you know, like if you're, if you're halfway peeled the banana, like the the flaps are down, they used to like twist it in their hand and it would kind of be like a car wash a little bit. Do you get what I'm saying? I know the the shaking peels are kind of (laughs) gloopy and wet and, and gross and moving around. And that, and they would get me to cry by being, hey, look, it's like the car wash. I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so this ended up being this very private and beautiful moment of this classic, classical dramatic music playing while this thing which had imprinted on me at three years old, I was just like conquering this fear. And as an adult, not at all anxious and just living life at the car wash. Story complete. But it was it ended up being this kind of sublime experience. And then I went home. Did you call your brothers and tell them about it? No, no, but I told my sister later that weekend. Is that is that your younger sister? Yeah, oh, you that, that's when she sister. told me that's when she told me she'd never pump gas. I told her you should you should try to just go pump gas and it might just be <laughs> an epiphany. It's <laughs> time to put on some classic yes. some yo yo ma. <laughs> Get out there and have a life-changing moment at the gas station. That's pretty wild, dude. I know. It's hmm. exhilarating. It makes you want to just go do stuff. <laughs> you know? Hmm. Yeah, you know what? I, I actually kind of – I have that same feeling. I just want to go do stuff right now, having come back from 
our canonical retreat yes. out there with the bear name. There it that? is. Yeah, so I just used your whole story to talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it is a very similar feeling, like getting back, I, I just felt so so geared up and amped to get out there and just do stuff because, yeah, there's just this very real sense that he imprinted, at least on on myself at the retreat, that like whatever's coming down the pipe is from the hand of God. And it's something that we've talked about on the podcast quite a bit. And so if it's coming from the hand of God, like get after it mm-hmm. because that is how God um, is loving you right now. And so your response of love and obedience and trust that it's from him is like everything that you can possibly do right there. That's it. And so you just get out and you and you let's do it mm-hmm. because if we're if it's there, this is what God intends me to do. Um, so reckless abandon. Reckless abandon. Let's yeah. climb the mountain. Let's get after it uh, because yeah, whatever the Lord puts on your plate is is from Him. Ergo, it's good. It's it's a gift of love. You know, the, like the very first homily, which is in His private chapel, in His rectory, in Santa Barbara, beautiful, <laughs> just us. It was just just Rob, myself, and Bishop Barron, and he sits down. We sit down, and he drops this freaking <laughs> nuke of a homily, dude. I I guarantee you. He had not read the readings. He just listened to them read there in the, in the liturgy and spewed out this piece of gold <laughs> that like rent my soul in two. Do you remember what he said? It was about making a gift of yourself, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and that was really like that was really the start of the retreat for us in, encountering Bishop Barron and like really listening to him. Um, yeah, give the retreat was that first morning mass. And it was all receiving each moment from the hand of God and uh, giving yourself in response to God. So, I mean, the, the whole presupposition of the of everything, I mean, not just Barron's theology, but life in general, is God is love. He can't not be love, which means that anything that we experience is coming from love. And so that's that's how we have to receive all of it. Um, and it may look like different things as it enters into our experience and our consciousness. Like it, it it's going to be it's going to look like and be experienced as different emotions, or it's going to look like different stuff because we don't have the full picture. But the reality is, it's coming from love. And so then all of it is a response to love. And so that was like the beginning of the conference, and it all just built off of that. Um, your being increases by the measure in which you give it away, yeah. period. And yeah. so if you're, you know, Bishop Barron and giving talks to like, you know, 20,000 people in front of you, then freaking go get it and make it a slave fest. And if you're like us and you're giving talks to like the women's group of four old ladies in a church basement, then like get after it and make it a slave fest. Yeah. Just yeah. to be clear, you're saying slay fest, not slave fest? Like male slay. slave? Okay. <laughs> yes. that's, M-A-I-L. That's just, that's I thought that was a news. crucial clarification. Yep. It's to mm-hmm. enslave everybody that we give talks to. <laughs> slay and be slaves yep. of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Yeah. I think so that was, that's right. And it honestly, it does not to... Um, make this about the thing I was talking about before, but I do, I do think it do relates it. in the sense that 
I did see that as as silly as it sounds, and I I try to make it sound silly because I acknowledge that it is, but it did feel like a gift from God that then like kind of made sense in the context of my whole life. And every time you step out uh, of your comfort zone, you have you and re- you have to rely on something outside of yourself. Um, I mean. Yeah, it, obviously there's different degrees of it, but you you then you see like that God is this master author artist writing this story with your life that you know only you only this place only now and and you didn't know how he was uh, you know even in retrospect you can't figure out how did he do it you know but everything makes sense in my life you know um and you guys you know sitting in that chapel that's going to be a a memory you take with you for the rest of your life, you know, and it's, it's part of who you are now. Um, and it's pointing you in a direction. And, and certainly there are times when, and we've, this another redux to something we talked about a few times ago, but there's times when it's not obvious, you know, that God is writing your story for you and that you're, you're part of this big, beautiful, loving plan for your life and the life of people whose life you touch but it doesn't negate the fact that it's still happening, that God is still governing you. And in the measure with which you give away yourself, he's going to increase your life and bear fruit. And like all that stuff is still going on, whether you're aware of it or not. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool that I think it's cool personally when, when I see it in the little things, you know, it's obviously in the big, you know, big movements of your life and the big decisions like you guys are about to come up. But Every single day you have an opportunity to step out. Like I disabled Twitter on my phone. Just stop, you know, stop like these little shortcuts to to whatever uh, and force myself out into the real world and interacting with people and um, yeah, go live it. Go get after it like you guys are saying. Like, Dude, that is, like go live it is... That is exactly. I woke up the other morning with this (laughs) thought in my head about some of my peers and myself. Like I thought about when we're old men and we are dying and we're talking about this time, you know, when we're in our thirties, like the kind of prime of our life in some ways, you know, um, and the, the cultural things going on right now and that all of this will be like you know, the 1940s to the, you know, the generation, two generations ago as they're aging, mm-hmm. you know, like the 2010s, what happened in this time in our personal lives and the lives, the, the world around us and everything. When we look back on it, I, I mean, when you put it in that perspective, I, I just thought as I'm waking up in the morning, because sometimes I have these weird deep thoughts in my first moments of consciousness i was like yeah this what is... is with that dude <laughs> seriously it freaks me out sometimes and I, I sometimes i think about writing them down but i don't but this one stuck with me it was like this is the life we've chosen you know this this is where we are this is how old we are right now this is our lives let's go live it all the way you know let's not hem and haw about um like we've already chosen it you know being priests but even still there's this part of you that kind of reserves part of your life for yourself or or even entertains the the thinking like that there's an alternate universe where you didn't make this decision where you didn't commit yourself wholeheartedly you know and your heart kind of holds these these little worlds off you know like what if i had not you know what if i had blah 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 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure you have that through seminary, but even as priests, like you still you still hold on to those alternative narratives, but just get just emulate them, destroy them and live the one you're in was the kind of like the thought that I had, Um, which sounds to me like what Baron was saying or what you guys got out of that sick retreat opportunity. How did you work that out, by the way? (laughs) <laughs> it was some serious finagling. <laughs> well, let let us just tell you the story. We sent, no joke, two emails. <laughs> That's how we finagled it. But on like it was a reception of unrepayable generosity, at least on my part. Like literally, we talked about it in the fall, and we we're like, how sweet would it be if we could get Bishop Barron to do our retreat? Let's email him. All he can say is no. You know, he's super busy. So we emailed him and he emailed back like, would love to, like, when are your times? Is it like if it's remotely possible? So we emailed him back like pretty much our two slots. And then he emailed back and he was like, okay, let's do it here. And then his team, like, it was unrepayable generosity besides just like, let the Holy Spirit make you good priests. Hmm. That's the response this is the only response that there could be it was so generous wow. yeah of him. and they they as as persons like with their with their presence with their time with their mm-hmm. energy start to finish i told rob in the middle of it like i'm confused <laughs> <laughs> i'm confused at what's happening because there's like this super abundance of like we're so glad that you're here with us and we're like <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Um, you're welcome. (laughs) I don't. I am so confused. I was having like, yeah, I'll keep drinking your coffee, right? And I'll sit in your lounge room and hang out in seventy degree weather, looking at the mountains with the Pacific Ocean to my back. Here's sure. This was our canonical retreat, man. Well, we read through the book. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, It was insane. (laughs) I can't. We read through the book, uh, Christ the Ideal, the Priest by Blessed Columba Marmion. And if I can just caveat that, that's uh-huh. not like a, a phrase. Like, we read the book. The book. It was yeah. a, It's like a 350-page book. Mm-hmm. This is in five days. Whoa. This is a barren retreat. Yeah, through and through. It You're was kidding awesome. me. He had you read a 300-page book in five days for your retreat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> serious. That's. I would like to go on a retreat like that. Dude, you would have freaking loved it. So this was our retreat, all right? We would get up in the morning. We'd have breakfast with Bishop Barron, just talk about the news, catch up, whatever, have mass. Pajamas. We're in pajamas. Yeah. Cooking huevos rancheros. Huevos rancheros. Dude, (laughs) slamming some coffee. Drank absurd amounts of coffee. Yeah. Throughout, we drank coffee. I drank it probably like eight hours throughout the day Mets was more on like the old 15 hour routine yeah. i'm pretty sure <laughs> i mean for the at day. least 12 hours of the day yeah eight to eight so so much coffee they just he just gave us like free reign of his house and so we would have like three meals a day with him which were hysterical they were awesome and then we'd have like an hour a day with him a little conference where we could we would either talk about the, like the marmion stuff or just kind of whatever was coming up for for us and it i mean it was incredible man yeah wow it was incredible so so good and like just like this real deal feeling of um obviously he has shaped like immensely like my view of a model for priesthood so yeah just to be just to be with him be around him um 
but also just to, yeah, like really kind of hash some stuff out and, um, again, like, you know, just be called to, like, you feel tangibly like the call to be a saint. Like, go, now go be a really good priest. Like, every, or give it everything you can, you know, and, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, He's he's in like in a lot of ways this extraordinary dude, and it was, you know, it's kind of surreal to to just be hanging out with him in his house, like eating breakfast in your PJs with with Bishop Barron and watching Chris Farley videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool just stuff. like it, you know, the incredible normalcy that that he just naturally brings with himself, and and yet it's it's this extraordinary guy is talking about like just how simple oftentimes the call to sanctity is and how simple like the priesthood really is. Um, and so just hearing it coming from this guy who's, I think he, you, know, you walk around his house, he's got a plaque. He's got a plaque on his house of him meeting Pope Francis and engraved underneath the photo of him and Pope Francis is, are the words that Pope Francis spoke to him when they first met. And it says, uh, Bishop Barron, oh, you're the, the great preacher who makes the airwaves tremble. <laughs> That's what the Pope said to Bishop Barron. <laughs> and so you're like in his house, like looking at that photo and he's saying like, hey, you need to go. And like, if you have two people show up at your Bible study, you need to love those people entirely and give yourself totally to those two people. Right. And so the way that he like, the little way is just his thing. It's it, man. Mm-hmm. That, it. I mean, it's, it, it is honestly that simple. It, I would say it's a combination of the little way with JP2's, like, just his his powerful gift of self language. And, and I'm sure it occurred to you guys that he was practicing what he preached in doing what he did for you guys. Absurdly so. Yeah, absolutely. And he said even as if much. You, even like, if it's, uh, he's like, I'm, I've talked to the World Meet of, Meeting of Families Focus Conference, thousands and thousands of really intelligent and faithful people. And, you know, I gave it the same, I'm giving this, you know, conference to you two dingleberries, the same amount of love and passion as to those more, much more important and more numerous people. I'm sure you said that, Go live it, man. Uh, He he said, this is an act of love. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I'm choosing to love you right now, as difficult as it is. (laughs) I'm choosing your good. I'm willing your good. And in a sense, he may have said it was an act of justice as well. Even though he, he was helping us to become the priest that the Lord wants us to be, but even more so, just like th- this is totally generous of us, totally generous of me, mm-hmm. and and he just totally gave himself to it. So there wasn't like a caveat to it. There wasn't like baggage that came along with it. It was just complete indifferent gift of self, like no expectation of anything in return. If we never wrote a thank you card. I think he would he would be fine with it, for real. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, it was so great, dude. Spectacular. What um, what was that book again? Christ, the Ideal of the Priest by Blessed Columba Marmion. It's Ignatius Press. And Marmion, he has a bunch of different works. Christ, uh, shoot. I know, yeah. I can't think of it either. A lot of them are like Christ the ideal, da 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 da. Yeah, I have and a to, book by him that's long, but I, I forget what it's called. We read it in Mar, Mar, Martis's class. 
Even the stuff from Marmion, oh, yeah. and, and you know, it's cool to read like the forward of it that Marmion's writings greatly influenced uh, Carol Watiwa when he was a doctoral student in Rome, and like you know, blah blah. blah. So it was cool to see kind of his influence then, you know, like eventually seeping through in John Paul II stuff. But um, even from the book, like I have, a, I mean, a ton of notes on it and stuff like that. But I mean, what really <sighs> stuck with me, even from the book, was like frankly pretty simple stuff of like as a priest the mass is the center of your day like that is that is the absolute center of your day and if you only celebrate one mass then like all of your formation and everything else would have been worth it to like celebrate that mass for for the world um but just over and over again it was just like this call back to yeah i mean simplicity but also like gift of self in the context of like the little way, hmm. but not talking about the little way, living it. Yeah, yeah. yeah man of prayer, a man of faith. Um, I just like very, very simple stuff. Yep. Your faith has to be firm, enlightened, and practical. That's yeah. a big thing, like yeah. in in the book. Yeah, and and he. Yeah, you can see where JB two gets a lot of the language of like strive, like strive to be strive for excellence and you know try to try to reach the mountain the duke and altum versalo alto like get up there and and go for it and it was it was a big moment for me in the retreat when just talking to him about that um about that disposition of like no let's go after it and get it um and kind of asking that in comparison to like well, what happens when you fall short? Because inevitably you will. Like if you fall short of the glory of God, um, what what do you do? And and I I can't remember exactly what Marmion says in the book, but it's essentially like because we know that we have a merciful God and that God is so good, that gives us the confidence to strive for the ideal because we know we're not we're not going to be perfect. And so the fact that we have this confident Father, this merciful Father that we have confidence in. We can strive for it. And so if we do fall short, when we do fall short, like he's there to pick us up. And so you have this combination of like the Lord truly does love you as you are and yet desires to um, to make you himself, you know. And so this beautiful combination of the two um, that I think I, I struggle to reconcile at times. So that was pretty freeing to like really dive into the the philosophy that Marmion Marmion's all about and JB2 is all about and Baron's all about. So word up. Word up. Major grace. Yeah. Man, you combine that, like I, I was telling somebody this the other day, but you combine like going to Haiti in January and just getting my freaking world flipped upside down down there in a really cool way. And then a month later getting to go out on retreat with Bishop Barron and it was just like, okay, here's what you go and do like this, you know, radical experience with God's love and the poor, especially. And then just like this, um, kind of this like mission being given to you. Not that it wasn't there, but just like so clearly spoken and understood and, and lived. It's like, man, what a, what a gift going into, Coordination. I mean, we'll see what the next the next couple months. Who knows, like what's going to happen? But I'm I'm excited for him. Um, 
but just like a real deal gift. I kind of couple both of those in my mind as, yeah, it was just good. Kind of let a lot of stuff fall away for me and hopefully be focusing on the right things. And yeah. It's awesome, bro, dudes. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to your ordinations, respectively. Yeah. You guys finally joining me in the sacred order of the priesthood so I can stop talking down to you. Well, I'll still talk down to you, but. <laughs> Fair enough. You are my minions. <laughs> you are my inferiors. <laughs> yes. It, something else that has been like kind of along the same vein. Though I've been, I think I've, I've talked about this periodically for the past three years, but I've been slowly reading through this book called The Hidden Face on the Little Flower. Have I talked about this before? It's kind of like the, the big biography done uh, on her. Mm, I, um, I haven't heard you talk about it. Anyway, it's great. And I've just literally read like two pages in between morning prayer and mass for like the last three years. And I'm wow. getting close to being yeah. done with it, um, which is pretty cool. But it's like now it's kind of the crux of her time and maturity in the convent itself. And she just talks, you know, she's talking about like, it's just more of a like historical context to the sister that in a sense thought she was Therese's best friend, but like Therese just like was really annoyed by this girl all the time, but she just chose to love her. Gosh, that's so appropriate for this podcast, isn't it? Like that I'm, I've podcasted with you guys for so long and people probably think we're like the best of friends, but actually you guys just annoy the crap out of me. That's what I was going to say to both of you. Actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but how do you like, I've just been reading it. And again, this is a biographer kind of explaining the situation in totally different language than Therese does in Story of a Soul. And you're just reading it and you're like, that is wild stuff, like borderline impossible stuff. And it reminds me, like Father Gallagher, when he was here in the fall, talked about, I think it was like maybe, um, who was one of the early early Jesuits? Peter Favre, is that Uh his name? Uh Uh-huh. Peter, well, Um, right. Uh, anyway, Peter Faber this, and Peter Faber, right? Peter Faber. Yeah. Anyway, whoever it was. Well, in French, like, it was Pierre Favre or something like that. But Pierre Favre. Yeah. He was a great quarterback. Yeah, he was a good, really good. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> love jorts. Uh. <laughs> Real but, comfortable jorts. <laughs> so he gets to like this place that he's going. And at the time, like a porter answers the door and the guy like won't let him in, doesn't know what he, who he is, blah, blah, blah. And he journals about it later, but just like loving this porter because the porter was the one who gave him like the concrete circumstance to actually love Jesus in the moment. And he just talked about that as like, that's what sainthood actually looks like. And I remember thinking it then and I was like, dang it, I am so bad at that. It's really hard like, to I can talk that. about that all day long man but real deal not good at that yeah yeah dude well that was one thing that it definitely was ingrained listening to baron i mean he's just adamant he gets up and does a holy hour in the morning and you know we talked about it quite a bit but like his holy hour in the morning allows him to see those opportunities later in the day as Like, this is how God is asking me to grow in love and to be a saint. Mm -hmm. And so 
the prayer in the morning was so important because it transformed the entirety of the rest of his day. Like prayer slash mass slash essentially friendship with Jesus helps him to see life as gift from God. Um, and I think like that's that's a massive challenge. Obviously, it's a, you know it's a massive challenge for all of us. But like, there's no way that you can receive that as love and respond in love to it if you don't see it as that, you know? So, so the first part of it is actually seeing and understanding that that's coming from the hand of God. Um, because then at least you have an opportunity to do it. Like the reading today from Therese, uh, we still do that devotion to Therese early in the morning on Mondays for the faculty and staff that they can prepare candidates to be priests of Jesus Christ. Oh, nice. Help me to always believe as you did. I love that prayer. It's beautiful. But the story, the story that was read today from Therese was uh, another sister had broken a vase, right? The, her superior found a broken vase on the oh, floor yeah, yeah, yeah. and blamed it on Therese, who didn't do it. And she just like accepted essentially the, um, the chastisement yeah. of it and said, like, I'll never do it again. And she said, yeah, but I just trust that, like, in the end, like, all things will be revealed. And it's just, that's... I could never do that. <laughs> I, I could never, ever do that. Like, take the blame for something I didn't do. But, yeah, she just lived in a different world. Like, she saw that moment differently than I see that moment. Um, and whatever that is, that's, yeah, it's a, a, a sanctity that I know nothing about. <laughs> it's challenging. Which is interesting, because it is, like, maybe back to your original car wash thing, which is a pretty cool story, actually, but, like, I think there is something there, too, of, like, not only in the reception of grace through other people, especially other people that might be hard to love, but I feel like I kind of get what you're saying, too, of, like, you know, even in just, like, the very little things, like, taking your car to a car wash or going to a dentist, like, like that activity can definitely be, um, I don't know, just a very, like my language would be like this very cool encounter with God or whatever it is. Um, but it's in a sense, like what's holding you back from just going and doing it. Right. I feel very, part of this might be the fact that my pastor's back now and I don't have a lot of the, of the anxieties of like the day to day things going wrong here you know like the heater going out or right. toilets overflowing and stuff like that but I, I do also have other anxieties of, of stuff um, but I feel lately like much more in control of myself and much more in possession of myself and I, I feel that it's kind of a gift um, like yeah going to the dentist it wasn't about going to the dentist it wasn't about oh I'm so afraid I'm gonna have a cavity and I'm gonna feel bad or I'm anxious about that it's more just like whatever, I'm just going to schedule this. I'm going to do this. I've, I've been thinking about going to Europe. I've never been to Europe. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't I just not uh, eat out or get a coffee? I'll just make all my own food and make my, all my own lattes or coffee or, you know, if I if I really need that stuff and save the money and just go to Europe, you know? And so I'm, I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but I I would like to do that. And you can just Airbnb and buy plane tickets and I've always like excused myself from it and thought, oh, that that'll happen eventually, you know. Um, just like the Holy Land happened without me having to do much, and you know, I've I've had a lot of cool experiences kind of happen to me. Um, but uh, you know, 
going to the dentist was I saw the dental hygienist who's kind of like a family friend who she cleans all of our teeth for years and uh, hadn't seen her in three years. And and she's like, um, you know, making conversation. And, and that could have been awkward, but I don't know. I just felt totally at ease. And, um, you know, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but there's all these kind of silly things that we let stop us from really um i guess that that buzzword of encounter i think it's really it really hits something true uh you don't like that porter story that god makes himself very known in the people right in front of you and the things you're doing and the things he asks you to do um and you saying yes to him and that's where joy is you know it's not out there somewhere it's like right there uh in the middle of where you're at god's will for you and uh yeah just had a really nice time i mean there's certainly boring things like i was at a meeting today that was really really boring and went really really long but i also thought to myself there's nothing keeping me here i could just get up and go whenever i want um and what are people gonna do you know you can't leave no no one would say that to me um and that's i mean i'm in a privileged position where i can do that without fear of reprimand but i don't know i think that there's a lot a lot in life where you you realize that um you can blame your fears you you can blame something other than yourself for the reason why you don't feel free or happy or joy or in god's you know good grace all the time you know like think of the person that's wanted to go to confession for a decade and just won't you know that's the extreme example of like you're dry cleaning in the car, Mike, just do it, <laughs> you know, and you'll feel, you know, you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think of, and again, it's just like not, but I have nothing personal in it, but I think often like that type of language around um, certain guys that I talk to that like just will not go to seminary and give it a right, try. Right. Mm-hmm. What uh, do you have to lose? Yep. Honestly. Yeah. I, yeah. And I get it. Like, I'm not saying I don't get it because, you know, like I get the emotion and feeling and sometimes it's legitimate, but it's like, just do it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, just do it. Yeah. Dang it, dude. Nike. <laughs> I, my, and my dad would say <laughs> that, that was he Guadalupe would say Rostri. that wasn't, wasn't that Guadalupe Rostri's catch line or was that Oslo? Just do it in Spanish. Oh, 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 Oslo. <laughs> That's Ocelo, right. Yeah. You're Spanglish or whatever. That is right, dude. A great slogan. Guadalupe Roaster Coffee. Coffee for the common good. Aslo. 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 Yeah, this is kind of a sideways notion. At least he was one of the first people to talk about it in a way that I understood. But it's like finally having the freedom to choose what you want. You know, like this guy who wants who wants to go to confession for 10 years. Finally having the freedom to choose what you want. Right. For for some reason, you know. And, And then it's like. No, and that was a big part of this retreat as well because I I think for a long time here in seminary, I have been very allergic to the notion of like, I just need to get out there and do it, you know? And then just encountering more and more this experience of grace in the freedom to choose and in encountering Christ when I actually choose this thing that, I'm, that I really do want, that I really do, like I'm sick of being a slave to X, Y, or Z. I'm sick of being a slave to going to bed too late and uh, just like yes, waking yes, up yes. All of that and, stuff. Being a, and being a dead person right. like the next day. And I have reasons for doing that, you know? And so like, hey, I'm just going to choose 
a, a real deal, this is a hard decision for me. Mm-hmm. And this is going to take a legitimate act of the will, but this is going to be an act of love. And like very indirect, like this isn't, I'm not. You're loving yourself, doing. you know. That's, that is my, that's literally my Lenten thing. Yeah, good, let's, let's do it. I'm in bed at 9 p.m. Yeah. Like, done. So, so then realizing that that, like the power of, of choice, the power of freedom is not in opposition to grace. Mm-hmm. And, and so like grace precedes it and follows after it. And then freedom is nestled within the grace of God there. Uh, and, and so starting to like not only understand that, but then to experience it and then to see on like the little things, you know, like I do not want to read for class. I'm just going to do it. And then sitting down and then like really understanding that, yeah, this is what the Lord is asking me to do right now. It doesn't look radical. It looks different than what I want it to look like. But very concretely, this is exactly what God wants me to do right now. And I don't want to do it. But at the same time, this is all that I really know that I want to do, you know, because this is what this is what my daily duties are placing here before me. Um, so just having having the freedom to choose what I what I actually want during the day instead of just being moved around right. and a slave to all of these. I don't know, like very quick sensory experiences or. Yeah, I mean, instant gratification like or that's or. Or just like the seminary pushing you around, feeling like you're just being pushed through this sausage factory and like kind of resenting it and not realizing that you're a human being and you are free and you're choosing at every moment you're choosing to go to class. You're choosing to do the reading. You're not being forced to do any of these things. That's the illusion that we um, we allow ourselves to believe is that all of this stuff isn't our choice, you know, um, these obligations we have or parents, you know. Oh, you know, I wish I could get it. I wish I could take a retreat because, you know, my kids never leave me alone. And well, you chose to have kids, you know, and uh, having kids is pretty great. (laughs) And I think that you love it and you wouldn't want to give it up for the world, you know, and just choose it every day, you know, choose the, the, the hard stuff and realize that I guess what I realized was that when I went out to California to fight forest fires when I was 21, I was like looking for an adventure and looking for something that would test my mettle and make me into a man. Um, and there were all sorts of like little things that I didn't know how to do before that I learned how to do and made me feel more confident as a man from chopping down trees with a chainsaw to uh, learn how to drive a stick shift. Like everything made me feel more capable, more competent, more manly. But I think that you don't have to do something like that to have an adventure. If you live this way, like you can go to the car wash and have that be an adventure (laughs) because your life is full of stuff like this, you know, where God asks you to just step out a little bit of your comfort zone and have a beautiful experience, you know, and uh, it's all around you. You know, you've never been to a nursing home. You've never been to a jail. Go to jail. I have jury duty uh, in like a week or two. I've never gone to jury duty. I've always looked for an excuse to get out of it. I'm like, I'm just going to go. Everybody else has had this experience. I never have. And uh, it probably will be boring, but it'll also be kind of an adventure. I'll go into a courtroom or all these little things you can you can just say yes to as they come up in your life. And it makes your life an adventure and you into a free person and gives God room to do really cool stuff with your life. Um, and there is something with that. I mean, amen to that. But even, and not to say I know what it, you know, the first three years of priesthood feels like, but, you know, you were talking about like, you just, 
in life, like you go through these kind of seasons too, where like, even though there is a roadmap in retrospect, like you don't see it necessarily. Mm -hmm. We all have glimpses of that. Uh, but there's like, I don't know, a tremendous amount of freedom, <clears throat> even your stories, Bisc, of the last few years, or, um, honestly, Bishop Barron talked about this, like going out to LA when he didn't know anybody. And yeah, I think he wrote like some type of piece on the Waze app, you know, um, yeah. for we're on fire. And he said, yeah, he's like, it's not that I was like resentful for being here or anything like that, but I just didn't know anybody. And so I would literally plug in like this church that I was supposed to be at and Waze would just tell me where to go. <laughs> and I would just show up and like do my best there. Yeah. And I mean, there's a like immense amount of freedom in that too of right. like, this is all great. Like gets me fired up what we're talking about. But then it is like in those moments or those stretches or for some people like long stretches yeah. just to be able to say it's like, okay, well, like what's the next thing, I guess. Yeah. And go do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and getting to a place where like this is good enough for me because I know this is what God is asking of me. And so then the gift of self is not dependent on what you get in return. And like to have that type of freedom, which, yeah, it was really be beautiful to hear Bishop Barron talk about that. I'm like a very kind of that, that time out in LA, like he had a hard time when he transitioned out there, but it was enough because he knew that God was asking him to do it. Or like, you know, he would tell stories about, having some Bible studies that like weren't, weren't necessarily like super successful, you know, like 15 people would show up. Oh, like it's early. Yeah. Early very, 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 very yeah. early on in his priesthood. And it was sufficient because that's what God asked him to do. Um, so kind of this, this indif indifference of the result or even like honestly feeling good about it, like the adventure and the excitement I love those things and I would probably be in big trouble if I didn't have them right now. But the Lord has uh, given me a lot of consolation in that regard. But getting to a, a, a spot where the response of love is not dependent on, yeah, feeling great or being super excited about it. But it's sufficient because God has asked me to do it. That's uh, that's pretty next level stuff right there. But but even still there, having having the freedom to say like, no, this is an act of love. And um, like, I trust that this is what you're asking me to do. And I trust you with my life. Um, yeah, that that's kind of that's some high level stuff that that's going on over there. But um, yeah, a, a gift of love that's not dependent on receiving anything in return. Word up. Level up. Are we ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary it may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.